Hi, and welcome to my show, Friday PM. My name is Luigi Scarcelli. I'm here with Lawrence Kelly, previously of Brian Baruz. The hat says it all. Uh, we're going to talk a little bit about the history of Brian Baruz, some memories we both have about it. Uh, I think it's going to be a great time, so let's jump right in. Uh, Sounds so, great. Great. It's good to see you, Lawrence. Great to be here. Thank you for the invitation. Tell me a little bit about how you found your way to Brian Baruz. What was the history? Okay, it's a, kind of a long story. First off, I come from New York, uh, upstate, about 45 miles from the city. Uh, I moved up with my folks, graduated high school in Portland High School and uh, went from there to art school. And then after that, I started restaurant work in South Portland in the round place there as a busboy, saute cook, uh, then the convention bartender, bellhop, all sorts of stuff. And then I left there, went to another place, uh, waiting tables to another place. And then I went to this really beautiful French place that was uh, on Wharf Street, which is now the comedy, con or was the comedy connection. I don't know what it is now. But um, it was called the Cafe de Viewport, and I couldn't, didn't get along with the waiters because I wasn't into the whole communal thing. I like to do my own thing, and so they said, we'll make a bartender out of you. So I bartended there, thought I knew everything, went to the art gallery, which is now Aura, years ago, right. and I worked there. And from three stools in the bar to a nice, smooth, rolling kind of environment, I went to uh, eight, bar, eight waitresses and uh, dropped bottles. I got let go the first night because I failed terribly. So then I said, I'm getting out of Portland, just want to go out and see the world. Left Portland. Glad to be out of Portland. I just want to go out because it was it was the old port was not the old but it was just a very slow place then at that point. Now but, this was <clears throat> what year was this? I'd say this was in 1979. 1979. Yeah. So this was you originally you came from New York and then you got to the old port. You were yeah. here for a stint, but then you moved away. High school, art school, yeah. bartending, restaurant work, then blew out. And I uh, went from there back to New York, went in the city, started bartending in the city. And then I went down to Orlando, Florida for a little while, went to Houston, bartended there. That was a great time. Then went to Phoenix, L.A., started singing with, with bands out there, telling everybody that I had history of it, and I didn't, and I messed up. <laughs> but people seemed to like it because we were all clashing with each other. And then went from there to San Francisco, bartended a bunch there, rode a bicycle from... Astoria, Oregon to Boston and went through Chicago for a little while and then get to Boston. I lived in Beacon Hill for a while, bartended there, got into real estate, moved up to Portland. And then the thing is, I couldn't wait to get out of Portland. And the only place I thought about through the whole seven years I was gone was Portland. And so coming back here, I uh, got my real estate license. And uh, I, like I was saying before, I, I, this Irish fellow, Jerry Brennan came walking in one day. I was on office duty, and he says, hey, "Jerry Brennan, he's looking for looking for looking for an apartment building." So I go, "Jerry, that's my my specialty." Showed him a bunch of places. He wanted to get one. He he liked one. He says, "Yeah, I want to put it under contract." So he puts it under contract. About an eight or ten thousand dollar commission went on and on and on. Finally, two days before the closing, he says. Larry, I can't go through with it. I can't go through with it. So I go, Jerry, what do you, you can? So I go, I can, but I'll make it up to you. And how he made it up to me was introducing me to Mark O'Reilly. And then Mark O'Reilly's created Kelly O'Reilly Associates, which is a real estate company doing investment stuff. And from there, from Mark O'Reilly coming right off the boat, County Kildare, Nace in, in Ireland, outside of Dublin, the whole family started sifting through Maine. And I met his brothers, David, Fergus, Justin, and their friends were coming through, and they were in the the, the old Brian or the old uh, 
Dewey's was on Free Street, Dewey. 4th Street, and uh, we would meet there a lot. And uh, because of the attitude that so many bars have, the bartenders, everybody wants what the bartender has, so the bartenders get arrogant and the owners get arrogant. They lose track of what it's all about, which is you've got to get humble, not more arrogant. And that's what people love is the humility. And it's like I say, if you're in a bar and you see someone, all you have to do is put your finger up, they'll wait five minutes. But if you ignore them, they get pissed off and everybody gets doesn't have any fun with that. And and so one night we're walking up and there was a concert at the Civic Center and the, and, the, and the lot was dirt. The Brian Brew was a gay bar at the time. It was Cycles. And then it went to Unicorn. And uh, we just happened to be walking up through the parking lot and all these cars were parking. And uh, I said, hey, Mark, uh, you take one end, I'll take the other. So we're saying five bucks, five bucks. At that time it was like two or three bucks. But we were making money and packed it in there. Then went back, did it again the next night. And then I got a hold of the owner out of Boston and said, hey, how can I'd like to rent your the lot from you and so he we worked out a deal with him we ran the parking lot and then um all of a sudden fergus and justin we were at the at dewey's one day and, and uh, fergus comes up to me and he puts his hand on my shoulder and he goes larry lawrence we got to we got to open up a bar oh, well i got a great location it's it's right there it's beautiful we got the endless parking and so and it's like i go and they're they're struggling there to, to their i hear they're having a tough time and so he says, nah it's too far away from the old port too far away from downtown we want to get a place in the old port so they continued to look i didn't really have any thoughts of opening a bar i worked in like 15 14 before that time this was was in 90, 91, 92. And, uh, and then uh, they came back uh, <clears throat> along the way. They go, well, maybe we will look at that place. They were going out of business. And uh, it was going to go to auction. But I talked with the owner at the time, uh, Greg Jackson, Leo Pelletier, great, great guys. And um, so they, we took over their payments. So we took them out of foreclosure. And, uh, and, uh, but that, that's what happened because I said, People will come. We got parking. We'll we'll make it work. I can. We can definitely build this up. Paint the place red, and they will come. Right. And so, um, and then we uh, got into it. Ninety-two. We opened in June of ninety-three. Gutted the place, and I got pictures of of the of the just the disaster that it was. And it was amazing because what got me when I when we started opened up, I'm standing there bartending. And I thought to myself, how did this happen? We went from a shell to this, that, and the other thing. All of a sudden, porn, kids are running around, smell of garlic in the air, the food was spectacular, all the different characters, and I thrive on characters. People that don't have pulses or don't have passion, it, it, you know, I love everybody, and I hate everybody equally, as my father right. would say. <laughs> I, but I, humanity, characters, individualism, breaking up cliques. If cliques form, you break it up. You put someone weird into a group of, of straight people. All of a sudden, everybody's having fun. Everybody's relaxed. They're letting all their pretense go. Mm -hmm. And that went on and on. And uh, the pub just from the onset, like I was saying, I was working seven nights a week, closing every night. And, uh, and there was a period of time where bartending, so I couldn't even reach to have a bite out of a sandwich, just nonstop. So what was your relationship with, with the O'Reilly brothers? What was that like? Well, this one, John O'Reilly, I believe his name was John, he never touched a drop. Yeah. He was totally, and all the other ones were, Paul was a musician. Uh, uh, Brian was, uh, ran the father's uh, pharmacy. 
Then there, I don't want to leave anybody out. Then there was uh, David, brilliant businessman, great guy. He would he was over here for a while. And then Fergus, and then Justin was the youngest. Sally Ann was up above that, and uh, I believe that's it. I hope that's it, that as far as the brothers. Right. But uh, great family. Uh, Justin was a, a, just a delightful host, and it was funny because on St. Patrick's Day he would go out the night before. And he was never, ever in good shape on St. Patrick's Day. It was always the night before, and he'd be saying, oh, I'm going to go to hell or something like this or my, something like that. But, um, and then Fergus was, had a construction company, and he was always driving around in his red truck, and we called it the Chariot of Hate. And he was just, the ground would shake when Fergus would, we would always bang heads, but we were, loved the guy. And, we, and then uh, we were going to open a place up in Atlanta. There was a place down there, it was a firehouse, just like the Brian Brew, only four times bigger. It was huge, square, beautiful white building. We were gonna paint that red as well. But that never really took off. Um, we came up, and the interesting thing, that uh, Dan, Justin, and I were walking down the street to meet Fergus. And uh, we were walking, and all of a sudden, a squirrel falls out of the tree, dead. And we looked down at the squirrel, it's an old squirrel. It just died of old age right in front of us. And then we went and met Fergus. And then uh, probably a month later, we were, actually, we were actually talking about opening a place in Haverhill as well on the train line, and talking about having a caboose painting the caboose red and make it the Brian Brew bar car. That never even came close to coming off the ground, but it was a vision, you know, you come up with the thoughts and ideas. But we were gonna open this place in Haverhill, we were thinking about it, and I walked into uh, the pub to meet people, uh, meet the, the investors and stuff, and uh, Owen O'Brien walks up to me, he was one of the club mainstays, and uh, came up to me with a real serious face, and he looks at me, he goes, Fergus is dead. Everything stopped. You look at, because what I always look back on with, with Brian Beruz, I mean, I look at it fondness, it, very fondly. For me, as a t I used to go there quite a bit. I enjoyed it. It was a very welcoming crowd. Uh, you could go in there, and everybody was very friendly. That was the vibe, I think, that was set there all the time. Yeah. Uh, what do you feel like now when you go out in the old port? I mean, does it, does it, I well, feel there, like it doesn't have always that same thing. There are a couple of places. places I like quite a bit, yeah. but our motto at the well, the motto that I came up with at the pub was we want to give you more than a hangover to wake up with. Right. You right. know, and there was there was Celtic storytelling, and there was all sorts of stuff, and we got it. Then trivia came in somewhere along the way, and that got to be very big, and that carried right through to the end. The one slow night was Monday night, so we wanted to make. Uh, theme night, and we had a great time with debauchery night. Uh, there was nasty Catholic schoolgirl night. There was Vickers and Tart night, and there was all stuff that just would be fun. I would wear a dress and a wig, and and people, would, a guy would come up and say, "Oh, that's a great uh, plaid skirt." It was a mini. It was a skirt, and right. he, so he would say, "Hey, what family is that tartan from?" I go, "This isn't a tartan, man. This is a skirt, dude. Can you right. see? I got a wig here." What's kind of interesting now about the difference is, people crave that authenticity. It was there, I feel like, in the 70s and the 80s, even in the 90s, and you guys were kind of part of that whole thing, horse feathers, a lot of really unique places. Yep. Uh, they kind of, I feel like everything got sanitized. It's, everything became like wanting to be the same type of place for everybody. And it, it feels like that was from 2010 to, to about 15, 16, and that's, that's when you kind of were getting out of it. 
It's uh, it's money. That's yeah. uh, you yeah. know, it's like Greenwich Village was the most incredible artist art community. Then the developers came in, raised the rents up, pushed all the artists out. They go to Soho, then they went to Brooklyn. Now they're coming into Harlem. Harlem is like what Greenwich Village used to be. Right. I don't know what it, I haven't been there for a while, so I, I don't really know what that's like. But that it's the it, the prices go up. It's impossible to have an apartment now, three people in an apartment, and landlords won't let that happen anyway, but uh, they're working around the clock, so there's not a lot of time to be free and fun. Basically, they all want to be a part of what's authentic. Yeah. Then they come in, they raise all the prices, so everybody gets moved all out. All the authenticity, and then they it's copy a shell. That, right, and then they pretend that they're yeah. authentic with those other folks and they, the, after they've swept out the actual authentic people. So do you feel like now, Baruz is at a point where this seems like it would be a perfect, perfect place that people would be excited about. It will come again. Four or five years. And you feel like this would be something you'd want to do again, too. Well, my, my precious wife wants me not to do, have anything to do with me being in politics and me having another pub, both of which I am just right. jonesing to do. I will have something to do with a, a pub at some point <clears throat> again, because I, I miss it terribly. If Brian Baruz was going to kind of rise from the ashes and you know, investors came along. You had a situation where you were, you know, bringing it back. What what would that look like? And is that possible? Is it possible that that structure could be moved somewhere close enough where we could still have that red, iconic it, place? It, or maybe it's some somewhere else. Maybe it's a different name, but the same atmosphere. What what are your thoughts about that? It's interesting about that because uh, we talked about severing the bottom, raising it, putting it on rails because you can't, there's no rebar, there's no structure. It can't bump around on, this, on the street at all. Sliding it down to the bottom corner and we were gonna make a big CNN moment sitting on the roof, driving down the, sliding down the street. <laughs> that never, that came closer, but it never really happened. Is that a historical building? It, I mean, I don't it know what- It would have been historical yeah. if we didn't paint it and didn't gut it inside. So it lost its so it historical lost significance. It like, and it's funny because yeah. when we bought it, I think it was just on the, on the precipice of being historic, of being. but then years later it became in that, that realm. Let me ask you this question. Why uh, did you paint it red? This was your idea to paint, yeah. paint it red, and it was white. Yeah, and it was white and gray. And a picture of that now. We'll yeah, see how painting it. it. Yeah, but you wanted it to stand out. You yeah. wanted something. Because it was a little bit, it, was, it wasn't in the old port, it wasn't in the downtown, and right. just like, let's do something. And at the time, it was, we had the interior crimson red, the outside was orange red, really bright, and it ended up being crimson red on the outside, which was a little softer red, but in the beginning it was like a brilliant orange red. Right. And it just stood out, especially in the, in the spring when the leaves would come out. But is there any final thoughts that you have, the kind of remembering Baruz that when we sum it all up? Yeah, uh, I would like to open a place Similar. I don't know what's ever going to happen to that place. I really don't have a lot of faith in that place staying. But if it is, if it would open up again and they can build around it, perfect. But it's got to be done right. You can't just, you know, you think you can just have a have a bar and just make a, fam a famous great bar. It'll run down unless you feed it, unless you, it's customer service is everything. Oftentimes the legend is much, much greater than the reality of the place. Uh, how would you feel the legend of and the reality of Brian Baru stacks up? It can't possibly be overstated. That's it. I'd like to thank Lawrence Kelly. Uh, next up, we're heading over to Sun Tiki Studios. Here, a new artist named Sparksy. 
uh, with their songs Chariot and Little Wooden Boat. I hope you like them. Thanks a lot. Good night. Clear and open space 